Lord, we're going to be all over the place. If you read my email this morning, um, we're, we're, we're not quite going to cover from Genesis through Revelation, but close. Um, I've heard that uh, some young preachers, that that's you know, their first sermon, they, they usually get up and they'll, they'll cover absolutely everything that they can think to cover and look down as like 25 minutes and they've preached from Genesis to Revelation and you go, how do these guys do it? Um, but it, let's see, if you would find uh, Matthew chapter number 16, we're going to start there and then I will we'll use that kind of as a platform for us. But um, if, you find, if you'll find Matthew 16 and as you do that, let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that um, both for the, the written word that you have preserved uh, down through the ages uh, and really through your church, you have um, you've kept that safe. You have uh, preserved it. You have provided manuscript after manuscript after manuscript and, and uh, brilliant minds that have come down and uh, looked at all those and compiled them and and um, so that we can have your words to us, that we can learn all about you and learn how to do life. Lord, also thank you for the word that was made flesh and dwelled among us, and um, that we beheld his glory. Lord, let us behold your glory today. And as we open the, the pages of, of this, this book, um, Lord, let us understand a little bit more about you, about your plan, not only through the ages, but your plan for us. Thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just give you a quick, uh, brief introduction. Uh, then we're going to jump right into the text. But um, as I mentioned last week, um, we're going to be going through the, the covenants of, of promise, or the, the Christ and the, and the covenants. There are some major covenant themes throughout, uh, throughout the Old Testament that, that um, prophesy or, or really look towards Jesus and the Messiah. And as we are with Advent, um, you know, the, the whole Old Testament is filled with looking towards a Messiah coming. And it's, anticipa it's anticipating, and it's, it's saying, okay, there, there is a Messiah coming. Our, our, let's look for him. And so you know, what we're doing is kind of a pageantry, if you will, with Advent, um, going back and saying, okay, we are anticipating the birth of the Messiah. And let's put ourselves in that position of, of how did it feel not having a Messiah? How did it feel to be oppressed by governments and oppressed by sin and oppressed by religion and to not have that Messiah and just have the hope. But now that we are looking at Messiah as also, we can look back at the entire Old Testament. And what you see, it, it's almost like this, that if you have the, the light, you know, you can see Jesus being the light in the New Testament. If you think about it, shining on the cross, everything in the Old Testament is a shadow. Everything in the Old Testament is God saying, God the Father saying, how am I going to get my son into the world? From the very, very beginning to the very uh, first few um, verses in Genesis, it, it, it's God the Father saying, my plan is Jesus. My plan is my son into the world. Now, how am I going to get him there? And so as you're reading the Old Testament, I'm hoping that this will help the Old Testament to come alive to you, that it's not just about stories. It's not just about all the names and genealogies. Now, that's why the, the name, names and genealogies are important. It's because God is saying, I want my seed into the world. I want my son to be born. Now then, what is it going to look like for my son? How am I going to get my son there? So as you're reading throughout the Old Testament, that's what you should be looking for. It's God the Father saying, how is Jesus going to get into the world? One of those motifs is the idea that the Messiah will be the Son of Man. The Son of Man. Now, the Son of, Son of Man is 
Jesus' favorite name for himself. He calls himself the Son of Man. Really kind of interesting. You know, why, why, would, why would you do that? I mean, why would you choose Son of Man? Why not say, hey, I'm the Christ. Why not, you know, I'm the Messiah. But he calls himself the Son of Man. This, and this is a great uh, passage. You probably remember Peter's confession, right? They, uh, Jesus had taken the disciples to Caesarea Philippi. Right, Caesarea Philippi was really kind of the red light district of the area. Okay, this is, um, think, think uh, you know, uh, Amsterdam. Think, this, is, this is not a good place to be. You, you mentioned you know, John was probably pretty young. You know, uh, I wouldn't want my girls going to Caesarea Philippi at this time. Okay, it's like Caesarea Philippi was not the, the best place in the world. And so they're looking at Caesarea Philippi, right? And Jesus says to them, Who do you say the Son of Man is? Who, who's the Son of Man? They said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Okay, so he's, he's equating himself. Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. So the Son of Man is the Son of God. Right? Is that what, that's what this passage just says, right? Jesus said, Who's the Son of Man? Peter ends up answering, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So the Son of Man is the Son of God. Now, we saw that actually when I, I look, we looked in um, the Luke passage, right, that it traces the genealogy back to Adam. So you've got Jesus, the Son of God, all the way back to Adam, the Son of God. Now, when, when you look up Son of Man, you, you know, in commentaries and different stuff, people, they, they talk about Jesus being man all right, he, he's emphasizing that he, he's a man like us, which is true, okay? But I don't think that's really quite the reason he chose that, just to show that he, he was man. The people there did not really doubt that he was a person. They doubted he was God. <laughs> they didn't have any problem that he, that knowing that he was actually a person. In fact, they, they killed him to show that he was a person, if they had really believed he was God, they wouldn't have killed him. But they, they thought he was blaspheming, right? So he said, we're going to make sure you're, you're not God and we're going to kill you for it. They didn't doubt that he was a person, right? So Jesus is taking this idea of son of man and trying to teach us something from it. Now, let me show you one of the passages that, uh, where son of man comes from. Okay, and my, my hope today is um, I, w I want us to, uh, there's a couple of things I want to just tell, tell you up front. Number one, I want this to, uh, number one, I want us to get a worldview um, through the eyes of this motif, okay? I want us, hopefully it will change our worldview a little bit. So that's, that's, that's up here more than anything, you know, you, you, you it's changing your mind. It's changing the way you think. It's hopefully changing the way you look at Scripture, that uh, you start to see this motif as you're reading through, and you go, oh, Jesus is showing this. You're reading through the Old Testament, and you're saying, oh, wow, you know, this is how God is getting Jesus into the world through the Old Testament, right? But I don't want it to stop there. I want it to also change our actions. I want us to let that worldview change how we look at world problems. And not just problems with, with the world, but the problems that the world causes upon us. Right? So it starts with our, the way we think, but it also is the way that we actually interact with the world, whether that's our own mind, will, emotions, our physical body, okay? Or as you take that one step out, interacting with people, interacting with um, governments and, and the you know, 
political aspects of the country and our, the way we pray. I want us to really see what is Jesus saying here and how is it going to impact us and how we act. Right, we'll get to that down the line a little bit. Flip over with me to um, Daniel chapter number 7. This is one of my favorite passages. I've been here before, but I want us to see this again and see this through the uh, Son of Man motif, okay? Daniel chapter 7. Everybody remembers Daniel from uh, a few weeks ago, right? Verse, um, verse 13. Actually, you know, I'm going to just, can, can I get someone to read verse 13 and 14 for me? Tim, thank you. So verse, just verse, verse 13 and 14. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Thank you. Let me, let me just go back and emphasize, uh, you know, in verse 13, uh, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man, was approaching. Okay, get the get the picture. This is what this is what Daniel is is, is seeing. He he sees the Ancient of Days, right? He sees the Father on his throne. If you go back and it, it, it gives you a picture of that in verse nine and ten, right? Um, and a little bit further back, he, he sees the 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 Father on his throne, and it says, "One like a son of man was coming up and coming before him," right? What I how I like to picture this is when Jesus says he came up before him. He says, with the clouds of heaven. Is, was there a time that Jesus was in the clouds? Right? At the ascension. Right? And it, it, you wonder, you know, everything is for a purpose. Jesus ascended in you know, Acts 1, and all the disciples are going, huh, look at that. And then the angels are there and says, he, go, he went up into the clouds. He's going to, he's going to, why are you wondering about this? But it's a picture of Jesus going into the clouds. And what Daniel sees is he's in the clouds. And he comes up before the Ancient of Days. And uh, uh, dominion, glory, and a kingdom is given to who? Jesus. Now, Look at verse 15 and 16. Let's just go to 16. I approached one of those who were standing by and began asking him the exact meaning of all of this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. So verse 15 through the end of the chapter is, is the interpretation, right? Is that what it says? Okay. Right, I just want to make, make sure that you all don't think I'm making this up. Look down at verse um, 27. You got that? Verse 27. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to, to the people of the saints of the highest one. What was it given, what was it given to in, who, who was it given to in verse 14? The Son of Man. Right? Right? What's the interpretation of that? The interpretation is it's given to the people. It's given to the saints. It's given to his people. Who in here is a saint? Anybody? Thank you. Right? It's given to us. The whole idea of it being a a many-membered, is, is that Jesus is a many-membered man. Okay? Right? There you go. He is a many-membered man. Jesus 
this is, this is a hard concept for us, okay? I'm, I'm going to admit, this is, this is tough. But it's, it's Jesus and his people. When you're talking about the Son of Man, it's Jesus and the body of Christ. Okay? So everything that Jesus was given when he ascended before the, the Ancient of Days, you have. Isn't that, I, talk about a worldview change. You know, we, we, we're here on earth going, oh, let's just, you know, let, can, can, let's just hold on until he comes, right? Can, can we just hold the fort down? Do you think that's what Jesus is saying? He, he comes up to the Ancient of Days. He's given honor and glory and dominion and a kingdom to, to spread over all the earth. And it's, it's given to us. Everything that Jesus was given by the Ancient of Days at the Ascension he's actually, is given to us. But let's, let's, go, let's go back. I want, I want to show this a little bit further back too. And we'll, we'll um, end up back in the, in the New Testament a little bit. Um, as, I, as I said, um, everything in the Old Testament is... Um, I'm going to flip, flip over to Genesis, if you will. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning. Right? Everything in the Old Testament was, is there because God is saying, I want to get my seed into the world. Okay? I want to get... How am I going to get my son into the world? Now... Remember, God makes the heavens and the earth, right? He, he, the earth is formless and void. The, the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters, kind of like a dove. Mentioned that last week, didn't we? You know, kind of, he's hovering over the waters, and God speaks, let there be light. And all of a sudden, the earth is, is starting to take form and take shape. Um, In uh, verse 26, verse, chapter 1, verse 26, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. All right, so what... What was given, do you see something that's similar that was given to man in Genesis 1 that was given to the Son of Man in Daniel 7? Dominion. Right? And God, when he, God gave it to man, he did not just give it to Adam. You see that? He didn't just say, eh, we'll give it to one person. No. I'm going to create man in the image of God. I'm going to create mankind. I'm going to create him male and female. And I'm going to give to them dominion over the entire earth. You see that? So man in the very beginning is a many-membered man. Adam was, it's not just... Adam, okay? It's Adam and Eve is given to his progeny, but of course we have sin enter the world, right? God created everything good, and then he put a tree in the garden, right? Called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Did God mess up? Didn't he know that... <laughs> that Adam and Eve could not stand to have this tree that they couldn't eat from? Come on. Let's think about it. We, you know, this is God once again. How am I going to get my son into the world? Well, I need to create man. I need to have man and woman so that, so that they can fill the earth and multiply, right? I need my son to be able to die. What's he going to die on? Put him on a tree. So what am I going to put in the middle of the garden that's going to bring death? 
a tree that looks good, it's good to the eyes. It's good. It's, it smells good. It tastes good. It looks good, right? And through that tree that tastes and looks and smells good and looks and look, looks good for food, he's, God's going to bring death so that through a tree that looks bad and tastes bad and, and looks dead, he's going to bring life through the cross, right? Through a tree comes death. Also through a tree comes life. At the tree, and notice it's really interesting, you know, Adam and Eve, both, you know, Eve takes the fruit first, right? She's, de she's deceived. Ooh, that's, that's pretty good. Nothing happens. Hey, Adam, want a piece of this? Yeah, sure. Adam just flat rebels. And as soon as Adam takes the fruit, their eyes are opened. And all of a sudden, they, they realize they've sinned. They realize they're naked. They realize, uh-oh, we, we messed up here. Right? So through the tree and through the man, sin entered into the world. Right? Through the second Adam, sin gets crushed and life enters into the world. Here, you, if, I'm going to come back to Genesis, but I'm going to, show, I'm going to flip over. I want to show you that this, I'm not just making this up, okay? This is actually what Paul says in 1 Corinthians also. Um, this is, if you want to stay in Genesis, I'll be right back there. This is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. It says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die. This is uh, verse 22. So also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, after that those who are Christ is coming. Um, Verse uh, 42, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It's sown a perishable body. Perishable body. It's raised in imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual. So also it, it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. He was, Adam was created out of the earth, right? The second Adam is from heaven, right? So the second Adam, the second man, read, if you read Adam there as man, okay? The second Adam is from man. The second man is from, um, second man is from heaven, as is the earth, so also are those who are earthy. As is, um, as is the heavenly, so also those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthly, earthy, right? We were all born as a son or a daughter of Adam, right? So also we will bear the image of the heavenly. So we are born as a son of, of Adam, we are reborn as a son from the son of man, the second Adam. That's where you get being reborn, right? You're either, there's only, when God sees the earth, he only sees two, two men, right? You're either in the genealogy of Adam or you're in the genealogy of Christ. You're either in the first Adam or you're in the last Adam. That's it. If you're in the first Adam, you're dead. If you're in the last Adam, you're alive. Remember, how was how how Eve created? Right? Where? Out of, out of Adam's side? I can just see the father going, I need a bride. 
I need a bride for my son. How am I going to get? How am I going to get a bride for my son? I'm going to open up his side to do it. So he opens up the side of Adam, takes a rib, and creates Eve. Jesus is hanging on that tree, and what happens with him? They open up his side, and blood and water flows, and out of that blood and water comes the church, the bride of Jesus. Okay? In, uh, in Genesis 3, Bible keeps closing on me. Of course, I said that um, uh, you know Adam and Eve uh, both ate the fruit. They both were cursed in one form or the other. Um, in for in chapter three. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Verse, uh, let's, let's start in 14. Um, be, this is the Lord to Eve. Because you have done this, cursed are you, um, I'm sorry, this is to the serpent. Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go. In um, the dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I'll put in between you and the woman, in between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head. You shall bruise him on the heel. Okay? So there, this is the... the um, this is the, the first instance of the gospel where God says, you know what? You all have sinned, but I'm going to provide a deliverer who's going to crush the head of the serpent. Now, notice though that um, says the serpent's going to bite him on the heel. The, the son of man is going to crush the serpent on the head, but at the same time, how many knows if, if you get a viper to bite you on the heel or bite you on the arm, it doesn't really matter. It's still, you get, you get poisoned, right? They're both a death blow, blow. So the son of man, the one sent from God, He's going to crush the head of the serpent, but at the same time, he's going to have to die to do it. Okay? We have the, the first gospel. God is going to send a deliverer for us. He's going to send his own son. You know, we, we look at, um, I, I, as I mentioned, you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. You know, it's, it's no wonder that we have the uh, race relations problems, the problems with um, terrible things that, you know, we, we, we have today. Because the people who are in Adam, Adam's kids, right, his first kids, what, what happened with his first kids? One killed the other. Adam, Adam is the father of a murderer. And you wonder why the kids in Adam, why we have such a mess that we have. Because it didn't even take a generation for the older to kill the younger. But in Christ... All of that changes. All of that changes in Christ. Let me um, let me show you just a couple other things in the New Testament here, and uh, then I'm going to try to pull this together. Um, go to Second Corinthians. You all know this verse, should know this verse. 
Second Corinthians five. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Right? You know this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation, right? A new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The old what? You are not in the old anymore. Right? When, when Paul talks about the old man in the, versus the new man, it's not as much something that is in you we, we like to think of the idea of, oh, I've got the old man, he just keeps rising up in me, right? And, and the, the old man rises up and, and causes me to sin or rises up and, and is, you know, tempts me or rises up. And, no, no. The old man is something that you were in. You were either in Adam or you're in Christ. And when Jesus comes and when you accept him as your Savior... You have become a new creature. Just like in the very beginning. When, when, I can I'm just, things are rolling in my, in the very beginning when God makes the new, cre, the, the creation, right? Now every, God is remaking everything. Okay, I got to go here. Uh, I, go, go, go to John chapter one. John chapter one. I was not planning on that. All right, Lord. John 1. <clears throat> In the beginning was the Word, right? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, wh what other book starts with in the beginning? Genesis. Do you think that John had that in mind when he started his book this way? You think so? Why? Because he's saying when Jesus comes into the world, not, not the second time, but the first time, when Jesus came into the world, the Word has become flesh, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. By the way, you'll know, you'll know that, that the Trinity is seen in, in Genesis 1, right? You've got God the Father, you've got the Spirit hovering over the waters, and then God does what? Speaks. You have the Word that goes forth. John says, um, all things were created by him and through him. How was that? God spoke. The Father spoke in the very word of God. And, and, and you take into account Psalms where it says, um, you know, the spirit came, the word came and the spirit creates. The spirit is hovering over the waters, waiting for the word to go forth. When the word comes, the spirit creates. By the way, the Spirit is still hovering, waiting for the Word to go forth to bring the new creation. You wonder if your words are important? You better believe it. He's waiting for us to speak out those words that the new creation come about, that comes about. It is God's will. Listen to me. It's God's will for all those to be saved, right? We've read that, right? God doesn't want anyone to perish, but he, he wants all to come to eternal life. God, it's your will for my son or my daughter or for my parent or for my sibling. It's God, God, it's your will for them to be saved. I'm 
speaking your word over them, that they will come to know you, that they will not perish, that they will have everlasting life, that they will be convicted of their sin. I'm speaking your word over them, that they will hear, that they will understand, that they will get into their heart, that they need a Savior, and that they will come in. Lord, thank you that it's your will. Thank you that they will come in. Thank you that they will know you forever, that they will live eternally with you. Right? What are you doing? You're speaking the word out and letting the Holy Spirit then go to then recreate the new creation. What is the, the fullness of Adam? Right? The fullness of Adam or nations. Right? You look in Genesis 10. Genesis 10 is the table of nations. By the way, you know how many there, there are? Seventy. You think there's a reason that Jesus chose 70? These aren't happenstance. These aren't coincidence. There's 70 nations. Why? The fullness of Adam are nations. The fullness of Jesus is new nations. We speak and the people come to know him and we have new nations. One more verse, and I'm going to sum this up. Um, Galatians. They'll go to the last, last chapter of Galatians. Galatians 6, verse 15. For neither is circumcision, okay, neither is Jewishness, if you will, right, nor uncircumcision or Gentileness, okay, neither is circumcision nor uncircumcision, neither, for neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation, And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Did, did, did you get that? Paul just, he just conferred upon all of us all of the entire blessings of the Old Testament. It's not whether someone's born Jewish. It's not whether someone's born Gentile. It's about the new creation. And if you're part of the new creation, peace be upon the Israel of God who you are. Now listen, we... I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you're getting this in, in your heart, who you are in Christ, okay? That we are His, not only His workmanship created in His image, but we have been given everything that He has. We're never going to be God, okay? But we have been given everything that He has. That is part of the whole idea of Advent, is Jesus came to the earth and took upon the form of man, okay? And my, my meaning that, that he had flesh and blood, that when he, and I'm sure as any good um, tradesman, uh, he probably hit his thumb at one point or another, took that big mallet and went kaboom and went. He had every opportunity to say something really bad, okay? Or he dropped a rock on his toe. And it hurt. He was able to be hurt in every way that we're able to be hurt. He was flesh and blood. And yet he lived the life that God wanted him to live just to show us that we can do the exact same thing. You know, I, you, you all have heard this little anecdote, little story before, but... Um, little fable. There's a 
an eagle that was way, had its nest way up high and one of its chicks fell out of the nest, right? And landed with a chicken farmer. You know, chickens don't fly very high. They fly just a little bit, just enough to get off the ground, get up to a perch. But chickens eat all the stuff out of the dirt, right? They'll eat the bugs and they'll eat the pretty much whatever they can get in the dirt. They just, they dig up grubs and they dig up worms and they, they eat um, pretty much anything they can find, the plants and the, um, they eat the weeds and anything they can find on the ground. This little eagle gets tossed in with all the chickens and gets raised by the chickens. And here you've got the chickens that are on the ground and, and pecking and pecking and pecking. And we've got some chickens and that's what they do. They peck, right? You can hear them because you know, they'll, be, they'll be pecking on something, right? You've got the chickens. You've got the eagle that are on the ground learning to be a chicken. You know, the eagle grows and he's like, have you ever, you ever seen an eagle on the ground? They're enormous. They've got a wingspan larger than me, right? They're, they're huge birds. And the, the story goes, the eagle is, grows up and he's still pecking on the ground. He looks up and he sees this eagle way up in the sky soaring and doing these grand circles and soaring on the winds, looking for you know, the, the next meal or just enjoying its time up in the air. And the eagle, who thinks he's a chicken, looks up and says, boy, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be like that. When all this time he was created as an eagle. And so many times we are in the exact same spot in that God has given us everything that we need to live a victorious life. He has conferred upon us everything that Jesus has. Everything. The kingdom, the dominion, the power, the authority. He's given it to us. And yet we, I think, look and go, boy, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could, I wish I could be just a little bit like Jesus was in his day. I wish I could live like that. I wish I could live that life. I wish I could have that power and authority. I wish I could do something about the situation I'm in. And yet God is saying, you know what? I get made you into a new creation just like that. Would you just see yourself that way? Just see yourself as that eagle. Stop digging in the dirt and start soaring. God's created you to soar. When you look at the life situations that we go through, whether that's something financial, something physical, something emotional, you know, something with our job or something with our family or something, you know, we... we and I'm not going to pretend like we don't face stuff, because we all do. We all face very, very difficult times. We face tragedy, and we face, we face hurts, and we face pain, and we, we face physical issues, and, and we, we face all these different things in our life. And, and, but part of it, we need to make sure that, that we are looking at that from a throne's eye view. Because we are not seated here anymore. We're seated with Jesus on his throne. Right? That's the whole idea of, of a son of man, is that the son of man came and he ascended and he got placed upon the throne in dominion and said, hey, come up here with me. We look at it through that, that lens, but we're not only just looking at it that way, it should inform everything that we do. The way we speak about those situations, as I said, it's the word going forth. How do you speak about situations in your life? Right? You, you speak life to those things. If it's a physical issue, Lord, thank you that you came and died in, in, in to, for, for my healing. Thank you that you came and died that I might, I might live eternally with you. 
But in, in some of those, you know, I don't know who all is going to be healed and why some do. And so I don't know, but I know that we have to fight for it. We look at the word of God and say, okay, Lord, no matter where I'm at, I'm going to, to believe that you died for my sins and you also died for my sicknesses. So I'm going to walk that out as much as I can until you either, until I either walk it out or you call me home. One of the two. So, you, but you're speaking life to those things. You, it's not, it's not. Oh, I'm just, I'm so old. I'm, I'm old, and I, I just can't do it anymore. Or are you speaking life to your body? No, I've, my, my, you know, I've, I've started. I've, you know, I, I find, I, I find the shower is a great time because you know you're, you're, t- you're touching every part. Lord, thank you for my, my mind. Thank you that you've healed my mind. You restored it from, from every effect of the curse. Lord, thank you for my, the, my limbs. You know that you restored every, my limbs from every effect of the curse, that I will live and not die, that I will live a, a long life. You know that my muscles and my joints and my tendons and my, the cartilage are all good and healthy and well and that they will not degenerate, but they will be, be, have long life in you. Right? Speak over your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's a hurt, an emotional thing. And as, as Hunt seems like, you, we like to be in A, and we like to rehash those things, and we speak, we speak junk over those things oftentimes. Come on, don't pretend I'm preaching not only to myself here. <laughs> right? Come on. We like to speak junk over it. Oh, I'm, I'm so tired. I'm so, I'm, I, you know, I just, I can't handle it anymore. I'm, I'm all, I'm, you know, we, we speak that stuff over ourselves. Instead of speaking the life of God, no, you have created me to be more than conqueror in Jesus Christ. I am going to, I'm going to walk in victory. I'm going to walk in health. I'm going to walk in strength. You've not created me to, to, uh, to suffer, but you have created me to live in a victorious life. And even if I do walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that you are with me and my home is not in that valley. My, you are taking me through that valley. So that I can be at home on the other side. Even though I walk through times of trial and tribulation, thank you, Lord, that you're with me and you're going to get me through those times of trial and tribulation. I'm going to walk all the way through them and you're going to be with me through the entire process. Thank you, Lord, that you're carrying me through those things. Right? Speak over your life and your situation. Speak the life of the Word and the life of Jesus. Speak the life of the Spirit. Let your words create those things because the Holy Spirit is still hovering, waiting for us to speak from the throne. That's where you are, right? Come on. Get into your mind. Get into your heart. That's where you're seated. And he's waiting for that, that voice from above for the new creation to come about. Thank you, Lord, that our, our town is not going to perish. Thank you, Lord, that our town, that is gonna, it's going to be hard to go to hell and win them. That everybody in our town is going to hear the gospel. That maybe, that we're going to believe that, that they are people who are going to have to intentionally try to get away from God. That, that, that the majority of everybody, they're going to hear and they're going to respond, that they're going to come in, that they're going to repent of their sin, that they're going to be saved. Thank you, Lord, that, the, that everybody in the town hall is going to hear the gospel and that they're going to respond to the gospel. This town is going to be led by, by a, a group of men and women that are solid Christians, that they're going to hear from you and that the decisions that they make are going to be come down from the throne Thank you, Lord, that they are going to look for advice and wisdom from the church. And it's not going to be a wisdom from man. It's not going to be a wisdom from other political parties. It's going to be wisdom from the church. Thank you that this town is going to be a place that is, is not addicted to anything except addicted to the righteousness and holiness of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that this town is not going to be a place where people are, are impoverished and they, they can't get out of that situation, but it's going to prosper. It's going to be a place where, where people come to, to this place because it is a prosperous and holy and righteous place that people are going to come into this area and they're going to immediately feel the Spirit in the presence of God and they're going to say, there is no place like this place. Amen. Amen. Are you speaking that sort of thing? Jesus, 
came into the world as a baby so that we could live the life that he lives in every aspect. The Son of Man. The Son of Man came that we could reign with him. And let's go for it. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, once again, can't thank you enough that you came as a baby. You left everything to have nothing so that we could have everything. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we live so far below where you want us to. Forgive us. Forgive us for pecking at the ground like a chicken and just being lost in a world of dirt and dust rather than soaring on the heights looking for a wonderful salmon that we can snatch fresh out of the water. Forgive us. Lord, let us see ourselves as you see us. Let us speak over our friends, our family, our neighbors, over this area, over this church, the wor your words, and let us see the, the new creation take shape and take form right around us. Lord, forgive us for all those terrible words that we've spoken, whether those are words of about our own lives, words about our family, our friends, words about the town, the church. doesn't really matter. Lord, forgive us. Lord, let those words come to no fruit. No, Lord, let those words be struck down. Forgive us for speaking words more than what the devil would say than what you would. Lord, forgive us. Pray that you'll help us to speak your words, your words of life, your words of hope, your words of joy, your words of your kingdom, your words of prosperity and, and goodness and, and grace over every area of our lives, over every area of our life, of our family, this church, the town that we live in, the community where we are, Lord, Give us those words of life and pray, Holy Spirit, let them go forth and we ask that you would please respond. Respond and let us see the new creation built up all around us. Use us, Lord. Let us walk that life out for the most that we, that, that we can to look just like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.